Let's just, let's just do the intro now. I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to speak. <laughs> I'm ready to, to I'm in speak. My, I'm, I've got like my proper upright posture going now. You know, my diaphragm <laughs> is nice and clear. Well, welcome to the Weeb Crew. We're back again. I'm Mumi. You, you already know this is Sai. It's funny that you say we're back again because this is being recorded only like for people listening, this is like two weeks later. But for us, we re- literally just recorded the last episode like two days ago. So. <laughs> well, it works for us because like we don't have to. It gives us more time to work on it. This is true. Uh, but uh, yeah, today we got a special guest, Ari, from uh, the channel the, That Kodasha Girl. Hi, it's uh, nice to be here. I'm really excited to chit chat with you all about Kodocha or 90s anime or whatever the heck you want to talk about with me. <laughs> I saw the notes when was writing down. We can, we can talk about some stuff beyond just, yeah, Kodocha, even beyond anime. It looks like you got like Majora's Mask notes in here and stuff. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I do I, deep dives. <laughs> Spoilers for the podcast <laughs> that, that you're listening to right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, just kind of start off with, uh, kind of introduce, I guess, your channel and what you do. And, uh, then if you want to kind of get into like maybe how you kind of started the channel, that might be a good way to transition into it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I found Kadocha in 2016. I know I was late to the party, um, as it's a, an anime from 1996, but, you know, the moment I watched it and finished it, it just it captivated me in a way that no other anime has, um, you know, with its romance and just its comedy was so unique compared to anything I'd ever seen in anime before, um, especially given the nature of some of the topics in the show. You know, the, they can get pretty heavy at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh when I finally, you know, I my mom gave me uh, her old laptop computer that had a lot of uh, video editing software on it. Um, you know, for a while I was just, I'd always had a passion for video editing. I just never really had the time or the decent software to do it. I used to do it all the time when I was uh, growing up, you know, messing around on my mom's computer. Um, yeah. So I noticed that there was a lack of Kodocha content, especially on YouTube and um, I'm not really a short format video person, you know, TikTok's been kind of on the rise in the last few years and I, I started one myself, but it's not the main medium that I think of when I want to create something to put out in the world. True. So I thought that, okay, well, I want to do a YouTube channel where I talk about this anime because I don't really see anybody talking about it like in video essay format. And I have a lot of ideas and theories and just interesting things to talk about related to the series. And it would be unique um, because I just don't see it. And it's the kind of content that I would watch that I'm not seeing. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just make it myself. So um, part of the uh, process for me is... um, now, when I went to college, I studied psychology, and it's another passion of mine. So I try to implement that in a lot of my videos as well. Um, mm. So I try to, uh, especially in my video series that I'm working on about uh, Sana Nikito's relationship from Kadocha, um, I try to apply some of the stuff that's happening to um, psycho- psychological theories. 
Um, so for example, in my last uh, part of that video series, I discussed the, um, the five love languages in relation to the characters of Kadocha in that particular volume. Yeah, actually, I actually watched uh, those. I know you like you started citing um, Eric Erickson's like eight stages of psychosocial development in like the first part. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something that you're doing kind of as you're watching the show or is that something you kind of look more into after you've already been invested and kind of absorbed the show on your first watch? Definitely after I absorb it, because I I don't really it, it's hard to explain. Like I I don't really go into watching something with like a mindset like, oh, I'm going to make a video on this or, you know, I, I don't really have that. I just go into it wanting to be entertained, basically. And a lot of the stuff that you're seeing on my channel has been ideas that have been rolling around in my brain for years. And it just kind of all clicked with me because at the time I watched Kadocha, I was in college studying all of this. So it all kind of just blended together and then kind of stayed there in my head. And it was just like, okay, it's staying in in my head for years and years. I need to get it out somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, d- definitely. Like that seems to be the kind of theme, I guess, with a lot of people, like it seems like a lot of people just kind of want to watch something and just like passively kind of consume it and then look more deep into it. Like after they've already enjoyed it and they're like, I guess they've kind of passed that threshold of like, oh, this is something that's actually good that I enjoyed. So I, maybe then I'll look into it. <laughs> um, and I feel like I just take such a like, for me, it's such like a more active process where it's like once the show kind of in, invites like that level of kind of critique or criticism, then like then I start thinking about it while I'm watching the show. Uh, so we I think I said in the last was it the last episode? I don't remember. Like the way that we talk about in our videos, like when we're talking about the show, we do a little bit more research than, you know, heck, if, before we watch the show, like we'll look in the staff and stuff. But like that's generally conversations we're actually having as the show's kind of airing. Mm-hmm. That's just like, I guess, the level we engage with it on. So it's always interesting to kind of see, like, if people are doing that as they're watching the show or if that's something that they're doing, like, afterwards or, like, how they kind of consume the show. Um, well, it's, 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 it's funny because, you know, when we finish watching something, we'll then usually go on to YouTube uh, and, like, try and, like, look for, okay, well, what are other people saying about the show? We look for videos, reviews, analyses, stuff like that. And usually, usually we don't come up with much, especially if it's like an older, lesser known series. Um, when we did that with Coder Show, we were like, oh, there's an entire channel dedicated to this. <laughs> Holy crap. And I think that's, that's, is that how we found uh, that yeah. Coder Show girl? Is that yeah, how we found this channel? Found, yeah. It was, that was, uh, when did we group watch that? It was like a year and a half ago. God, so it's, been yeah, something like that. Kind of more toward the beginning of your channel, but not quite the beginning. Yeah, very, very appreciative that like someone has has like spent so much time talking. And it's interesting too because I mean, obviously there are YouTube channels talking all about One Piece, Dragon Ball, you know, these big like Shonen properties that are all fairly long. Uh, but you don't really have a lot of channels that are dedicated to... I mean, Kodosha is still a long series. It's like over 100 episodes. But you don't have a lot of channels dedicated to just talking about one piece of... of again, now well, fairly like lesser-known, more obscure shoujo series. Mm-hmm. And the channels that I do see, um, 
you know, if they are talking about that, it's usually like, oh, it's a shoujo channel or it's just a general yeah. anime channel. Yeah, it's it's interesting because that used to be kind of more the norm, right? Like, I feel like, oh gosh, what year is this? <laughs> 15, 20 years ago, it would have been more common for people to just be kind of more absorbed in like a singular show like that, where like you would have communities that were based solely and you still get that to a degree i guess with like to a degree. Attack on titan communities yeah stuff like that mm-hmm. but i feel like back then you would get that for you know stuff that wasn't necessarily like the most popular the most popular um like back then fruits basket like probably had that kind of same experience even though i wouldn't say I mean, first basket was certainly popular but it wasn't like on the level of Full Metal Alchemist back in like 2004 or five, whatever it was. Now, I've um, come across a few Fruits Basket. I wouldn't say they're channels, but there's a lot of uh, Fruits Basket content being made on channels where they primarily talk about shoujo. I, that one's yeah. definitely like, it's just kind of just totally exploded in popularity in the last couple of years. Yeah, Fruits the, Basket the, and Chihayafuru, I think, are like the two really big ones right now. And I mean, Fruits Basket and Chihayafuru's ended too, right? Uh, it did end more recently. The manga did, yeah. Okay. Uh, Fruits Basket's been ended for, gosh, over a decade, I think now. Well, yeah, but the anime just ended got, like a couple of years ago. Yeah, the remake of the yeah. The remake of the anime. That definitely helped with its popularity. Yeah. Really good show, by the way. <laughs> That's all I have to say. You know, the... People talk about that show all the time, so I don't really have anything new to add, but I really liked it. I actually mm-hmm. watched it for the first time back in January this year, and I really enjoyed it. Did, Did you, you watch, watch it uh, dubbed or subbed? I watched the dub. Okay, so it was interesting because there's a Kodakia connection there because uh, both uh, Toro and Sana are both, are both voiced by uh, uh, Laura Bailey. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyo is, is uh, voiced by uh, Jerry Jewell, who also does Akito. Mm, yeah. The interesting, interesting sorts of crossovers there. They brought them back for the dub of the New Fruits Basket, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was yeah. like a big thing for a lot of people. It's like, oh, they brought back the original, kind of like, kind of like, like Scott Pilgrim coming up. It's like, oh, they brought back the original cast, especially because I mean, you know, uh, people like Laura Bailey. Like, I, I was actually surprised because we watched Kodosha dubbed, and you know, I was like, you know, familiar with like Laura Bailey for doing stuff like um, she's like Lost and Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, she's like Jaina Proudmore in uh, World of Warcraft, you know, more serious, more serious kind of roles. And I remember like, um, and she was also the brunt of a lot of criticism when like The Last of Us Part Two came out. Mm-hmm. She voiced uh, that one character that everyone hated for, I don't know, I haven't played the game. I, I don't know the reasons. Um, but I remember specifically seeing like people being like, ah, she's not a very good voice actress. She doesn't have a lot of range or whatever. And I'm like watching Kodosha and I'm just thinking to myself, wow, these people really have no idea what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think it might it might have been just, you know, <laughs> the all the hate and some people like to yeah. latch on to that no matter what. And yeah. <laughs> they yeah, don't look into things <laughs> and people also just like hate on anime dubs. But I really I really like the uh, the dub for Kodosha. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it was, it's probably the only time you're going to like hear Laura Bailey doing a rap. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> such a surreal kind of thing, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have anything like against dubs generally. It's just I think I think that's more the issue is like with the process than the actual like performers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't think people really give like enough like grace and like credit to like the performers in the process because yeah. they don't really look into like how the you know the dubs are actually done. Right. The, they're not giving as much. <laughs> they're not giving as much like room to work with as like the Japanese dubs usually are. Especially yeah, because you have to do stuff like match like lip sync and all those things, which can be very constraining both in terms of like your delivery and like how you're like translating the dialogue itself. You have you have that, and then you also have the fact that like dubs are made for much lower like margins than like the original anime dub, like the Japanese. Yeah. Uh, so they don't really have the money to sink into the production side of syncing the voices, and they're also not dubbing it alongside the animation process like they do in Japan. So it's it's they also don't have like the industry built up that Japan does because they're having to dub stuff like Pixar movies and Hollywood and Disney film, like stuff like that where we're not having to do that. So there's, there's just a lot of factors that go into a dub that people just don't get, like, they always just jump so, to like, Oh, this actor's bad. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's not would necessarily you guys the say, case. Would you guys say that you prefer the dub of Kota Cha to the sub? I, I, I'd, I prefer the dub. Um, I typically prefer dubs. I don't okay. always. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of a show that I prefer the sub. Um, I would say I prefer the sub of When They Cry, um, if you all mm. have ever seen that show. I'm, I've been playing the visual novel for the better part of a year now. Hmm. I'm almost done. I'm in like the seventh arc. It's so goddamn long. Uh, <laughs> so you I'm really just watch the anime. Too. You'd be done by now. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I feel like the anime is just going to cut out so much of what I've liked in the visual novel. Um, Possibly. What about you, Mumi? What do you prefer, dub or sub for Kodacha? I was, I was surprised that I preferred the sub, the the dub over the sub. Hmm. Um, because like watch, usually when we watch dubs of stuff. Uh, I'm usually like, oh my god, this is fucking like graining to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, and there, there's an element of that to Kodacha, but I feel like it works for like what the tone of Kodacha is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like her being like this hyperactive kid, it just, it just kind of works to me. I was like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, this is, this is good. And then like when you, cause it does, you only have the dub for the first 50 episodes. Yeah. So then you have to switch to the sub. And then when it switched to the sub, it was so like jarring to me i'm like these aren't bad performances but i feel like i prefer it took some i need to like readjust my brain to be like oh yeah these are still the same characters it, it I, was yeah. interesting. I totally yeah. felt the same way when i it mm-hmm. actually took me a while to really sit down and watch the subs because of that um and yeah. also it didn't help that for a while we didn't have uh proper subs for it um up until recently, actually, when uh, Discotech Media released it on Blu-ray and the subs like were actually good <laughs> um, this, mm-hmm. because the subs before were like you could tell that, you know, the yeah. the translation was a bit off. The, the sentence structure was uh, awkward at times and it was hard to get through. Um, but thanks to Discotech Media, they, they made it a lot more watchable. So I yeah. definitely suggest, like, if you want to give the second season a chance, definitely check out their Blu-ray because it's it's fantastic. 
Now, now, now we're just sponsored by Discotech. Sponsored by Discotech. <laughs> Let's you go. You can cut that we out, had... but I, I'm just, I, I'm just yeah, such, yeah. A, such a big Kadocha fan. I like, I, I'm just eternally grateful for, <laughs> to them for that. So, I am not affiliated with Discotech in any way. <laughs> the one thing I will say is that it's a, it's a like standard definition on Blu-ray release. So it's like it's only a couple of discs. But what I would love to see. If it were ever possible, would to just be like a proper HD remaster of the show itself. If if the original negative, like film negatives exist, that would be really cool. Because I, I really love the just like the overall visual aesthetic of, of Kodacha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, be, and to a certain extent, I think there that's also lended by the fact that it is standard definition and there is a sort of. It's almost like vinyl, you know, you kind of want that almost like a lower quality look to it. But I think maybe even being able to see it in HD at some point in the future would be really cool as well. Mm-hmm. So you talked about going to school for like psychology and stuff. I know you kind of mentioned both in your video and you kind of mentioned in chat, like you you kind of were really into music. And in your Majora's Mask video, you kind of were saying that that was something you were pursuing professionally at a point. Uh and you were wanting to incorporate that a little bit more into like your videos and stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's difficult. Um, because I, I did music professionally in my hometown. Um, when I was a teenager, um, going oh. into my early twenties and then I stopped and I went to college and then I kind of just started really getting back into it within the last few years. Um, And I just, I'm not really sure how I want to incorporate that on my channel. Um, I did do a cover of one of the songs from series two of Kadocha recently, and that went over really well. So I was really happy. Mm. I was really nervous when I posted that. Um, uh, But other than that, I really, the only thing that I could come up with is doing like covers of like songs featured in anime um, I have a few recordings that I'm thinking of sharing soon where I did, uh, they're not acapella, but they're basically, they're my own versions of songs from the Legend of Zelda series that I do like vocals over. And then I add just mm. kind of some light instruments on GarageBand. Um, so might be hearing, you guys might be hearing that sometime soon. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to go about that as you know, it doesn't really fit the theme of my channel. Do you think, do you, uh, have you actually like used your musical background and like any kind of like analysis or do you just kind of, is it just something that you can appreciate on a different level, but you're not actually using that to like dissect anything like, uh, just like as an example, um, like people who might be really into, ballet or something um might get into something like princess tutu in which like there's like this kind of meta layer from the music um yeah i've I've never really combined my love for music with that stuff so that that's another thing that's like i'm not really sure how to incorporate incorporate that other than like oh well i'll just do a cover of you know this anime song i like um but you know anyone who does like musical analysis is just like every anytime i watch videos about that it just it blows my mind especially um you know it's no secret um that you know if you followed me or looked at my channel like the legend of zelda is like it's like the gaming version of Kadocha for me. It's like, I, I know a lot about it. It's my favorite series. 
and like I've seen like uh, videos where they break down the music from that series and like um, what it could mean, you know, and, and how the song is structured and why it's structured the way it is. And it's like, it's mind blowing. Um, and it's, it's fun to watch those because it, it kind of adds another layer to the stories within those games that makes it even more fantastic. I guess that kind of brings up, um, since you said that like Kodocha is like Zelda to you, um, you mentioned in like the Majora's Mask video that you kind of gained a greater appreciation for Majora's Mask directly because of like, uh, you know, um, fuck, what's the word? <laughs> Experiences uh, that you had in your life, brain work. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that you enjoy media? Because I think Kodocha is kind of similar in that way where, you know, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, Kodocha, like they're all very kind of geared toward like children on like a surface level but there's a lot that kind of goes behind them where you can appreciate more as like when you revisit them as an adult right um do you feel like that that's a common kind of thing in what you appreciate with media or is that just kind of like more you've something that you've pointed to with your favorites that's very interesting that you made that observation because um it's funny because um, my husband's made a similar ob- observation with me. Um, but I, it's interesting because there's just something about, and, and I guess on some level it's almost um, projection, I guess. Um, because I, I think on some level we all are drawn to certain media that resonates with us on a personal level. and. Sure. You know, as as a child who like was kind of, you know, wanting to be a child, but kind of surrounded by a lot of darkness, I feel like I really appreciate things that are made for children, but they kind of dig a bit deeper and they explore things, um, you know, they explore hidden traumas or they explore ideas that might be a bit too abstract for a child to understand at that moment. But then when you look back, you're like, oh that makes sense as to why, you know, this was happening and and how it affected me. Um, And I guess that, that, that's why I went into psychology because that was just always something that was really fascinating to me was, and I, I love how it's expressed in media as well. Another example, which you might've seen it on my channel is I did a, a video on um, a little video game that not a lot of people know of called uh, Klonoa 2, Lunatee's oh, yeah. Veil. And that game has a similar um, theme to it. It's it's media made for children. You know, I think the game is like rated E. Um, it's obviously, you know, it's kind of got a Sonic the Hedgehog-y cartoony look to it. Um, yeah. But the story... You know, when I first played it as a kid, you know, it's just some goofy little platformer with some character that at the time I thought was like a ripoff of Tails. <laughs> um, but, you know, the story, it goes so deep, so much deeper than at the beginning, because you think at the beginning it's just about, you know, helping this girl become a pre- priestess and you think it's about saving the world. But then you find out that there's like this hidden kingdom that they had no idea existed and you know, the whole reason why everything was happening was because basically, and and I like to think of this game as a collective, um, as a collective journey for all the characters, you know, they're, they're overcoming their sadness. Um, And 
as a big fan of psychology, I'm uh, my favorite psychologist actually is Carl Jung. So Carl Jung, um, he had a theory um, that a lot of the conflict in the world is because people will not confront their shadow. Um, so basically this means that a lot of conflict arises when people don't confront, you know, their darker sides. Maybe you have a anger, hostility you're holding on to. Um, and if you don't deal with that, it comes out in really just nasty ways. You know, you could use that theory to explain why wars happen. Um, sure. so I, I really like how that idea was kind of in Klonoa, um, and I, you know, I don't think the creators consciously put that in there. Um, maybe it was just unconscious, but I think, I think you can apply that theory there. And I, I think that's, I, I think a lot of the things that we see in media are, are, are reflections of ourselves. And I, I, I'm really drawn to media that I can, you know, on the surface, it seems like it's one thing, but on below the surface, it's completely different. Like it opens up an entire world basically yeah. but i'm sorry i ramble <laughs> oh no you're good no you, i mean you say you, you don't think it's intentional i don't think like they they might not have been necessarily aware of like um the exact kind of the um theory behind it but i mean you look at like you know ocarina of time like you do have like shadow link um even going back to like zelda 2 like he was in Zelda 2 too but um that's definitely something that's just kind of used as like a cultural shorthand mm -hmm. for a lot of media. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, while it's not necessarily maybe directly linked with the theory of it, maybe it's still something that's kind of just pervasive through like cultural thought. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, exactly. That Klonoa game that actually got that. Did you, were you excited about the remake that came out for that one here recently? Oh yeah. I, played it twice already through the whole thing. It was, it was awesome. I was so happy when I was watching Nintendo direct and I was like, uh, another direct where I'm going to be disappointed. And then that came on and I was like, no way, no way. I'd never thought that would see the light of day ever again, but yeah. And you're the only one of the stream who knows what that is. I think it was like me with, um, they were doing discotheque announcements at, uh, at Otakon. Again, not sponsored by discotheque, by the way. So <laughs> Um, but they were, they, they, uh, for like the convention panel they were doing, they were, they announced the release of Tachiguichi Retsuden, which is a very obscure Mamoru Oshii film about people who scam fast food joints. It takes place in the same universe as Jinro. I don't, it's weird. Um, but I remember seeing that and being like, holy fuck. And then I was the only one in the room of like over 100 people who knew what the hell it was. <laughs> Everyone just looks at you like, what the fuck's your problem? What the fuck? Why are you so excited? This, this looks weird. Why are you? Why do you know what this is? But yeah, it's always a good feeling when it's like you something that you feel like you really like. But maybe it's like, you know, very it's a lot lesser known and uh, something gets announced for it. And it's like you are the singular one who is excited for it. To yeah. be fair, I feel like Klonoa is a little bit more well known than Takaguchi wrestling. Yeah, probably. Like, it is a cult like, kind of following, but just nobody knows who the fuck Takaguchi wrestling is. That's true. Yeah, like a total of like three people: uh, you, me, and uh, like Hazel. And I think that's it. <laughs> and I guess like all the people that watch that Hazel video, there they mention it. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I definitely kind of connected with like Ocarina of Time on a similar level to that. Um, because mm-hmm. like I, I remember growing up, like I was very kind of conscious of like the kind of fragility of like youth. So like I never like <laughs> had that kind of same ex- yes, yes. <laughs> I never had like that same experience of like, you know, kids always like, oh, I wish I were older or whatever. I was always just kind of aware, like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really get better. It's all downhill. It's all downhill from seven years old. <laughs> but I'm kind of um, jealous because it was the opposite for me. It was like, oh, everything's going to be amazing when I'm an adult. Nope. <laughs> that was a nope. lie. That was a lie. Well, my, my parents, specifically my mother, was very much like, oh, no, you should want to grow up too fast because it's, it's, you know, you, you'll you'll miss being a kid. So I was always just trying to be aware of it. Like, oh, I should be, I should just take things a day at a time kind of thing. So like Ocarina of Time, when you had like Sheik talking, like lamenting the passage of time and uh, growing up and stuff like that, that stuff kind of resonated with me as a kid, but it didn't really fully resonate with me until I was, you know, much older as an adult going back and looking at it and being like, oh shit, yeah, I can mm-hmm. see where they were, the, like the limericks are kind of coming from now, right? <laughs> Yeah, totally. um, and it's something that it's it's almost like augmented. I think I think we talked about this with Shabes. We were talking about Ocarina of Time, but like it's it's augmented in this like nostalgia, right? Because now that you're looking at something that's like a property talking about nostalgia with nostalgia, it like, it like feeds into each other. It's a um, surreal experience for sure. <laughs> yeah, this all comes full circle, basically. Basically, yeah. Um, but I feel like I, that kind of experience for me is something that I always kind of gravitate toward with media. Um, like Ocarina, Ocarina of Time, obviously, is one. Like Pokemon is another one. Uh, I feel like Evangelion and Fully Cooly are both like that. Like those I kind of things were. Don't, don't, don't start with Evangelion. I'll sit here and talk about it for three hours. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I mean, if you like it, I guess it's a good thing because I like it too. Uh, okay, there a you lot. Go. It's my second favorite anime behind Kadocha. So <laughs> there you go. Okay, there I you guess go. does it come back to like the psychology stuff then? Yeah, exactly. Like Evangelion, it's like, yeah. I mean, we could talk. I mean, that's my favorite anime. So we, I definitely have room to talk about Evangelion. <laughs> okay, then we need to. <laughs> if it's your favorite. I actually just finished watching it again uh, with my husband. And he'd never seen it before. And he, like, he had this perception of it. Like, it was going to be really stupid. Because he's like, oh, Shinji's a little bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> I know Shinji's, like, he's kind of a little bitch. But... But everything around him is very fascinating. And so needless to say, my husband loved it, too. So I was very happy about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually, like I said, I just finished rewatching it. And it was, uh, you know, it's one of those shows that like when you rewatch it, you notice something new. Um, and I feel like that's going to happen mm-hmm. every time you rewatch it, basically. Um, but I could be wrong. <laughs> but because uh, I had only watched it twice so far. Um, so, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely so overdue for a rewatch as well. I specifically Same. want to rewatch the, um, original version that aired on television because I guess we have that somehow. And there, there are some like slight differences, especially in like the later episodes, um, in terms of like things are like things, uh, are like, they look different essentially. And it's very interesting. I, I would like to see those changes and, 
what they did differently between the television version and then like when they released it like home media. But yeah, definitely need to rewatch it. Like, I don't know. For me, it's been since seven years now. Long I'm overdue. Getting, I'm probably, I might even be longer than that, actually, honestly. I used to, it was very much, Evan Young was very much like Ocarina of Time for me, where like I used to watch it once a year. So I probably rewatched it like eight times. Mm-hmm. But once I kind of got more into anime specifically, because that was from when I was like, uh, I don't know, like 11 to 20 or so, that kind of age range. Um, once I started getting back into anime, I kind of don't, I feel bad going back and rewatching stuff I've already seen. Cause I'm like, man, I could be watching something that will be my new favorite, right? Like I could be experiencing something new. And so I kind of feel guilty going back and rewatching something. So oh, I haven't I know gone that back. Feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone back and rewatched Evangelion since, gosh, I, sh- I should have rewatched it in 2015. I really wanted to because that's the year that it takes place. So it's like, that's kind of the, the year you're supposed to. I did watch End of Ava that year. I did. I watched it on the day it happened in the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't rewatch the series. I should have. Um, but I used to I used to be very active online in Ava threads. Um, if you've ever seen like those those threads are like, what the fuck did I just watch? I was I was <laughs> one of the people in those threads that were like, well, what you just watched? <laughs> you just like explaining what the hell they just uh, I guess I guess it begs the question then. Uh, have you seen the rebuilds? And if so, what are your thoughts on them? I haven't yet. Um, I'm actually a new fan to Evangelion. Um, OK, I will say that uh I actually, you know, I've, I've been a fan for anime for over 10 years, but I kind of fell off, you know, when I started doing music and then I went to college. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I'm kind of just catching, I feel like I'm catching up on a lot of things that I missed um, as a teen. Um, so Evangelion, I watched two years ago for the first time. Um, uh, so I haven't seen the rebuilds yet. Um, do they... Are they on streaming? Any streaming services? I, I like actually don't know where I can watch them. I don't know. I think it's they're on the fourth one, and therefore the other three should be on Amazon Prime. Let me check that. But yeah, I feel like it should be on like streaming platforms. Um, wasn't it like a Funimation dub? So shouldn't it be on? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, all, three, all four movies are on are on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. So, what are the rebuilds? Are they are are they just retelling the original story, or are they like alternate universe things? I, I actually don't know. We about don't know. It. It's very complicated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so the first movie is a retelling of the events, but there's like kind of hints here and there that it could potentially be a sequel. Yeah. Um, Main, mainly the main hint that you'll notice in the first like opening shots is the water is all red. So the shot, and just imagine like, the first episode of Evangelion, but the water is red. And that's yeah. kind of what you're you're getting with the first episode of and the first movie. Blood on the moon, isn't there? There is blood on the moon, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's like this, probably a sequel, but um, it's, it's an interesting one because I feel like People who enjoy the rebuilds kind of fall into two camps. Um, you get those who kind of enjoy the rebuilds on more of a more of like a surface level, and they typically like the first two, but not necessarily the third. 
and I don't know about the fourth one. I feel like the reception's kind of mixed on the the last one. Um, mm-hmm. They like the first two because the the tone of it seems a little bit different. Uh, they yeah. they kind of. I remember that the kind of explanation for it at the time is like, oh, rebuild 2.0 is when Shinji finally mans the fuck up or whatever, you know, <laughs> which I, I don't think is like actually true. Like, I feel like the events that cover in the rebuild second movie it aren't really all that different from the series. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of like. The presentation is slightly different, so they're like, oh, he, he mans up. It's all different now. It's like, not really, but OK. Um mm-hmm. And then they kind of yeah. like fell off with the third one because the third one was doing a lot to kind of cap like catch up to where it needed to be because yeah. there's not a lot of like plot exposition the third stuff. One is, in the second uh, one is uh, can best be described as subverts your expectations. <laughs> I see. Um, but I feel like if you, I feel like I enjoy the rebuilds on like a very meta level Same. because to me it's like it's watching like this transparent kind of presentation of like the Hideaki Anno's like inner workings, right? Like you can kind of see like his rejection of the message he had in the original series mm-hmm. and like looking back and being like, Oh, I've, this makes me fucking cringe. I put this in a TV series. Like I got to fix this. And like, <laughs> basically <laughs> I, I feel like the main criticism I've heard of like the original Evangelion is it doesn't really give any answers it's like it talks about these things and it's like, oh, yeah, you just need to you know, keep a stiff upper lip or whatever and things will get better. And it's like I understand that from like his perspective because it's like you're still kind of going through it, right? Like you you realize you got to fix something. You're in like the you, you know what trajectory you're going in, but you don't necessarily know how to fix it. And so like it wouldn't come you wouldn't be able to have that answer in your work if you were yourself have not come with that answer. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like the rebuilds are like him having that answer finally because of his life experiences and getting married and just his general, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. But then you're going to have like that disconnect where like his answer is not going to be the same as everyone else's answer. And so it's like paradoxically become like people now criticize the new rebuilds because while well, they have an answer, it's not the answer they want. And it's not the answer that resonates with them as an individual. So now it's like, well, you had the one that gave you the open-ended answer. Now this is the one that gives you a direct answer. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's interesting yeah. to me. But yeah, definitely. I can see the criticism. I get, yeah, I think, I, think it, I think it's rather than like a sequel in a sort of like narrative sense, I would say it makes sense to think of the rebuild films as a sort of like meta sequel, like almost like a sequel on like a thematic level more so than okay. like just like a direct narrative level. So it's, it's one cause like people are like, oh, you don't need to watch the original series to watch the rebuilds. And while you technically don't, I feel like it's one of those things where in order to really get it, uh, you should probably, you know, you want to watch like the original series first and then, uh, yeah, so if you ever do check out the rebuilds, uh, I would say yeah, try to think of them almost as like, like a like a reply, like a reply email. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Well, if I ever check it out, I will definitely let you guys know like what I think about it because that that sounds interesting. At least you know it, maybe mm-hmm. it's not um, because I, I kind of like the open ended question and answer thing that they have at mm-hmm. the end of the yeah. original. Um, so 
I might not like it as much. I, I don't think I will, but it, it sounds yeah. entertaining. So yeah, I'll give it a chance. Like, I, don't, I don't think Mumi and I, Mumi and I definitely both prefer the original TV series, but I think we yeah, yeah. definitely both uh, at least appreciate uh, the rebuilds. Even if we, you know, I think we both have also have like a fair number of problems with the movies as well. Yeah. Especially think, the third one. I think they're good. I've, I, my, my criticism of the third one kind of stemmed more from the second one because I feel like the third mm. one was put in a position where it couldn't really succeed because <laughs> it's like it's now having to pivot and shift focus and they didn't really do much of anything in the second one to be able to support its that yeah. pivot. Um, like a lot of people criticize like, well, Musato has no character in 3.0. And I'm like, she didn't really have a character in 2.0. Like, yeah. you're augmenting your experience with the rebuilds with that of the TV series. That's why you don't really have a problem with her character in the second movie. But she, I mean, the most characterization she gets is like her backstory, which is told by Kaji to the characters, but she's not even there. And it's shown to you in like a two second, like flashback sequence. Like she doesn't. She's not, I mean, she is the same character, but she's not. And if you watch it on its own, you don't really have that characterization that you do in the original series. So it's like you criticizing the abusive 3.0. relationship that we have with these movies. <laughs> it's a very love it's like I defend sort of thing. It, but I, at the same time, I, I, I get it. I, I get yeah. the criticism, but it's like, brah, <laughs> come on, just, just tote it back, tote it back. <laughs> Um, we will eventually, like I said, we've been saying this since episode two of this podcast. We will eventually just do an episode on the rebuilds. May God have mercy upon us. Jeez. That would be, <laughs> I feel like that's like the first like four hour episode. <laughs> yep. Which brings us to a word from our sponsor, Tokyo Tree. Are you okay, dude? You don't, you're doing the annoying voice, but it doesn't sound right. You Okay. Everything going on all right? Yeah, I've, I don't know. I've, I've been feeling a little under the weather a little bit. Um, let me just get a drink for this water real quick. And yeah, take another drink. Sucks you're not feeling too well because <coughs> we you don't have health care, so we can't afford to go see a doctor. Uh, but I know the next best alternative. <coughs> Alter what? That's right. You don't need to poison your podcast co-host to get a little taste of Japan this holiday <coughs> season. What? What? Po what? Shut up! I'm doing the ad read. All right. Tokyo Treat is a monthly pop Japanese subscription box where you get up to 20 exclusive limited edition and seasonal flavored Japanese stacks that are only available in Japan for a limited time. <coughs> that sounds like a killer deal. It's actually not that killer. It's actually it's actually going to save your life, thankfully. <coughs> now, this month's theme is the Snacktacular Christmas, all right? Christmas in Japan is one of the happiest and yummiest times of the year. Tokyo Treat is thrilled to bring you a taste of the amazing holiday flavors through their snacktacular Christmas. Isn't the holiday cheer curing you already, Mumi? In Christmas, the time of year, you're most likely to be murdered. God. No, no, no. You're thinking of DUI murder rates. Uh, thankfully, both of our licenses have been revoked and we no longer own a car. But there's no reason to go outside this Christmas anyway, because this special edition Tokyo Treat Box is full of favorite snacks, stamped with Santa's approval like Kit Kat Strawberry Chocolate Cake, Christmas Kokotol Donut, Christmas Cake Gummies, Christmas Crunch Mix, and many more. When I stop coughing, can I have one? There's like blood in your cough now, too. Oh my god, yeah, here, take some of this. <coughs> what, is, 
What is this? It's it's a booklet, and it contains a wealth of information about Japanese culture, as well as the snacks you receive, including allergen information, which you should definitely read that part. We don't want to make you any worse. I can't, I can't eat this. Here, maybe try some of this. Oh, this is a marshmallow. I don't know. Help my throat, but we're good. Good, yeah. What, what else is in here? Oh, good. <coughs> Comes a cow piss. I can get this thing out of my foot with this. No, 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 drink that. That one's mine. Look, 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 look. Here, keep drinking. You need, to, you need to drink more water. You need to keep your fluids up, all right? Drink some more water. <coughs> this is hair the dog? <coughs> and don't forget to use the code WEAVECREW on Tokyo Treat website to get $5 off your first box. <coughs> what, did, what did you put in my drink? Oh, I just put a fly in your drink. Oh, ew. Anyway, but let's get back to the episode. I guess, do you, do you feel like you you gravitate more toward series from like the 90s, I guess? Because like Kodasha and like, if, even though you watched them more relatively recently, those are both kind of from that same time period. Uh, do you think that your favorites are generally in line with that? Or are they kind of just the happenstance? Um, I'm, I mean, if I'm being honest... When it comes to what I like in anime and manga, I'm all over the place. But I seem to, when I do watch the series from the 90s, they stick with me more than other ones. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. why. I can't really tell you why. Um, it just is what it is. <laughs> and a lot of times they're like longer, so you're just kind of stuck with them more. It might be that. Um, I, I would say I do prefer the art style. They they always seem more detailed. Um I just like I, I like the polished look of a lot of series today, but I don't know. I prefer series that have more cartoony moments in them, and yeah, just yeah, more, like like again, Kodosha, yeah, yeah, just more I guess exaggeration. Um, Karikano, uh, I guess, would be another really good example of that as well. In terms yeah, that's Karikano a good gets series. super cartoony and exaggerated. <laughs> And it starts by Hideaki Anno for part of it. So there you go. Part of it. All of it. No, didn't he stop uh, doing it? it like in... Uh, didn't they stop having him on it like uh, by episode 20 and then it like went downhill or something? I think we talked about this. Was it with Jaden? Jaden, Gil, leave a comment explaining <laughs> this to us again because we can never remember <laughs> who the hell directed... Because everyone says... Hideaki Yano leaves halfway through, but he doesn't. Instead, he just starts spelling his name using, like, katakana as, like, some sort of weird form of, like, protest regarding <laughs> TV regulations at the time. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So that that's how that myth gets started. But I, maybe he does leave the production towards the end. Who I don't know. Because the anime, from what I understand, I haven't seen it. It just ends also, like, partway through an arc, kind of unsatisfyingly. I don't know. Gil, leave a comment. <laughs> Gil, Steve, um, Steve, Gil, Steve's got Steve, that short. Jaden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched, uh, I watched that anime up until I think it was like episode 18, 19 or 20. And it was one of those three. And I stopped watching it at that point because everything that I read online was like everything after those episodes sucks. And the, this particular episode that I mentioned that I stopped watching it at is a better ending than the actual ending. So I was like, okay, I'll just stop watching. And then I didn't watch. Did you at least watch like the popsicle stick episode? (laughs) I, I don't 
I don't remember that. <laughs> What's so special about that episode? <laughs> or do I not want to know? No, the characters are just like on like po- like paper cutouts on popsicle sticks. I think it's um, wasn't it directed by Yumaishi, director of like Gurren Lagann and Kill La Kill? Remember him or Tatsumaki? Tsurumaki? Tsurumaki. Um, I'm really bad with names. Yeah. Um. I, I, that's- <laughs> yeah. I remember there was a lot of moments in that show where, like, the characters would be drawn in unconventional ways. So I mm-hmm. might have seen that. Um, if I did, I blocked it out because <laughs> <laughs> I don't really remember it, but it, it does sound familiar. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a good series. Uh, but, yeah, up until that point, after, like, episode 20, I don't know what happens. So I, I can't tell. I, I know they didn't finish the manga, and that's why a lot of people were upset by it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. You- yeah, a lot of people were upset. It's, it takes deviations from the manga. Um, and I guess we can tie this back into Kodosha is that, well, Kodosha also, like, the anime takes fairly noticeable deviations from the manga as well adding in like an entire like entire arcs which are fairly controversial to say mm-hmm. the least like yeah. the um the arc with uh Kodosh's dad and then not Kodosh Sana I always call her I always call her I always call Sana Kodosh uh the, the arc with Sana's dad and then the New York City arc oh like yeah the two the two big ones yeah, the one with her dad is probably the worst because of like some of the implications of that one is uh, mm-hmm. weird. Huh? I don't want to go into it, but moving on. Uh, the New York, uh, I don't hate it, uh, but it's a bit long. Like, I feel like if it was yeah. only like five episodes, then it would have been better. Um, but they made it like a pretty good chunk of season two, and it's <laughs> too much. It's very overwhelming. And then. Like, you know, there's only that focus on Sana and um, yeah. the other uh, love interest in the series, Naozumi. And then you never really see what's going on back in Japan. And it's no. just really annoying. Especially given, and this is, it does not get off on the on a strong foot because it like cuts you off right at like as like this drama is building up between Sana and Akito. And mm-hmm. then it's like. All right. Yep. Now we're off to New York City, and it's like, what? what, what address this? <laughs> yep. What? Cue <laughs> like however many episodes later. It's like, okay, now we can come back to it, and it's like, yeah, very. I, I like the art, the like stuff that happens in New York City overall, but it's very, yeah. It, it kind of it, it kind of starts off on the wrong foot. I agree. Its placement in the series is extremely mm-hmm. jarring. Um, it probably would have worked better if it happened at some point in season one, um, because there mm-hmm. was like that yeah. stretch of filler for a while. Like I think it's like between like episode twenty something and then like thirty eight. I think. Um, and if like they would have maybe put it around there somewhere, like oh, we're gonna go on a trip to New York to be on Broadway, and you know it was just kind of a filler thing, and it didn't have all that drama around yeah. it. It definitely would have worked better. I feel like I didn't like uh, the New York arc, and ge- like it wasn't. It was like fine, but it was just like I don't know, it, it definitely in- negatively impacted my my view of the show as a whole. Yeah, uh, I think that's like where you kind of like you kind of like kind of really started to get frustrated with the series. And, and yeah. even I did to an extent, but it's like, at least for me, because I, I really like Kodosha. And for me, like, there there are parts of the series, you know, certain arcs, maybe certain episodes or characters that I'm not a big fan of. But 
overall as a complete package, because again, this is a fairly like long show, like 102, 104 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, as an overall package, I think I I really really like it. It's it's I would compare it to like Hunter Hunter in a sense, where it's like the sort of collective uh, whole is sort of elevates its like individual parts for me. Mm-hmm. Sure, I agree with yeah. that. It's definitely a lot stronger, kind of like at the beginning when it's like able to kind of really hone in on its like the strengths of its writing. You know, with like Sana and like Akito's like characterization, yeah, uh, blending in like the juxtaposition of like this hyperactive, like frenetic ADHD kind of presentation of like <laughs> Bouncing Sana off the walls, yeah, with like this the juxtaposition with these like really kind of dark like elements of like growing up and like dealing yeah. with loss and all this kind of stuff. Like when it's when oh, it's able to like really trauma. focus and hone in on that, it's really really good. But when it's like kind of diluted a bit, you kind of because like at the New York arc, I felt like didn't even really have as much of like what I enjoyed about like Sana as a character. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't that it was completely absent. It was just like very so diluted that it's almost like it's almost like its own show where it's just like, what am I watching? right now? <laughs> Because it's like just not there. It's not it's, the first half, like with the dub, with the dub actually covers is is so good. And then mm-hmm. even like part like up to the New York arc is like still good. It's just yeah. I don't know. And then when you go after the New York, there's an what I'm trying to remember what episodes like how much is even after the New York City arc? Uh, it's only like see. a core, I think it's like twelve episodes, maybe fifteen. I think it's about twenty episodes after that of the okay. rest of the series. It's like mixed canon, and then there's like a whole yeah. stretch of filler, yeah. and then there's more mixed canon that ends the series, which is kind of weird you know if you've read the manga and you know like what actually happens because they have the whole karate club at the end that doesn't happen in the manga but there's a situation very similar that happens and it's like they really watered it down for tv and it's really disappointing um it's not bad would you say that you prefer the the manga yeah oh absolutely okay I was going to say, it's, it's interesting, too, because it's directed by Akitaro Daichi, and he, he does that a lot. Like, he, that was a similar thing with, um, like, the original Fruits Basket anime as well, where it takes a lot of um, liberties from the source material and, like, some of those changes and deviations. Um, I haven't seen the original Fruits Basket, but from what I understand, it also is, like, fairly controversial with the original content it introduces. To a degree. I think, I feel like a lot of the original content is just mainly at the end. Mm. I think he just wanted to wrap it up as, like, its own thing mm-hmm. where if they didn't get a second season, like it would still be able to be consumed and not just have that thing looming over it where you're like, well, what the fuck happened after that? Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where the controversy comes in. It did, I don't feel like it added a whole lot, like before episode 20 or so. I think it was pretty standard before that. Okay. Um, what, what, to say, you say? Mm-hmm. what I was going to say, what I'm trying to say is, uh, it's time for a remake of Kodacha that's now completely faithful to the manga. <laughs> I agree, 100%. As long as they keep in, like, the really goofy, off-the-wall stuff, because yes. it's that, that humor is in the manga. It's just toned down uh, a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I hope that when they do... Um, I, I, I just I feel like a Kodocha reboot is inevitable. Will it happen? Maybe I'm being too optimistic, but uh, will it happen? I don't know. Um, I Kodocha hope so. Brotherhood. <laughs> yes <laughs> Kenosha sisterhood <laughs> sisterhood there we go 
I feel like but, the OVA uh, didn't have a lot of the comedic stuff in it, did it? No. Not really, no. Um, it's it's all right, but it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. it it's definitely not as funny. Um, it has its moments, but. It's one of those things where it's like, well, do you include Babbitt? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, that's kind of one of the things I've talked about on my podcast um, mm -hmm. is like, you know, if they did reboot it and, you know, you want to keep that humor in there, would Babbitt be, would you include Babbitt? And, would you include uh, Babbitt? Because I feel like <sighs> Babbitt's really the key to all of this. Because <laughs> he's, he's a funnier character than we've ever had before. I think I'd make him like have cameos uh, if it were me, mm. but I think modern anime fans would like see Babbitt and be like, what is this? Very like confused. <laughs> yeah, that feels that definitely feels like a very like uh, like remnant of like 90s anime. Like that's that that kind of like mascot character isn't really something you see much in mm -hmm. a lot of anime nowadays. Maybe I guess the closest would be like. Pochita from Chainsaw Man, but he's in it, barely in it. So it's like, uh. it's interesting that like the OVA was so devoid of the personality that the the uh, Daichi adaptation would end up having. Because yeah. it always makes me think of like all the '90s shojo OVAs, right? Like a handsome girl, pops. You know, sequence singles, uh, a girl, stuff like that. Like they only have like one episode, and I always think like, what are they removing? And like, yeah, how different is this from like the source material? Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, what if, if what if what if any of those got like a hundred episode long adaptation? What would that what would that look like? Yeah, it is. It is would interesting. My favorite at one of my favorite anime, possibly. <laughs> It's interesting looking at that time period because, like, it feels like so much of, like, shoujo that was adapted was just stuff that was aimed at kids. Like, because, you know, with the wake of, like, Sailor Moon, right? Mm -hmm. You got, like, uh, Wedding Peach and Nurse Angel Rika and um, Cardcaptor Sakura, obviously. Uh, a lot of what was coming out was, like, it felt like a response to the popularity of Sailor Moon. Whereas yeah, it, it doesn't feel like you get quite as much like shoujo romance. I mean, you got like, uh, yeah, stuff that's aimed more towards like young women, you know, maybe like teenagers in their 20s. Yeah, like you got, only got like you get like OVAs, basically. You got like Marmalade Boy and Boys Over Flowers, uh, Gokinja Monogatari and stuff. And then obviously like Onisama A and Karikano. But it feels like a lot of what was coming out were just like the one episode OVAs, like marmalade boy was so disappointing i don't know if you you all have seen it but i oh i can't stand it <laughs> i haven't seen it but what i've heard is people just hate the ending essentially yeah like, I, I i couldn't make it to the end um i you know i'm not one of those people that like forces myself to sit through things that i don't enjoy i just i can't do it like i, I physically can't <laughs> that's a healthy but, uh, watching habit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, I, I feel bad because, you know, I feel like, you know, if I'm going to talk about anime on Twitter with people, like, I want to at least know what I'm talking about, but it's whatever. <laughs> that's just, that's a topic for another day. But Marmalade Boy was, like, really disappointing because I watched Kadocha and I went into Marmalade Boy and I was like, oh, it's got, you know, kind of the same vibe. Like, even the characters look very similar. 
and it was just it was just nonstop teen drama and you know I, I hate this word but it was very like it had a lot of really like actual problematic stuff in it like um there's this whole subplot with one of the main character's friends dating the teacher and uh they, yeah and they end up together spoiler alert they end up together and like it's like something that like the writers were proud of and i'm like really that's what we're gonna like make as our side plot side romance this is so annoying and gross yeah you get that in like uh clamp stuff too because i know clamp their view on love is like it transcends physical spatial time kind of boundaries shit like that which is a cool <laughs> idea not like that it's it's admirable in Don't concept in execution when you have like Sakura's childhood friend in elementary school with a crush on her teacher that is somewhat reciprocated you're like eh, this is getting a little hot under the collar I need to <laughs> mm. yeah. But what would you, I guess, do you, did you do a lot of research in the, into like the Kodocha OVA? Like, do you know kind of what the thought process, I haven't actually, I've, there's something I kind of came up with while I was doing research for, you know, show notes and stuff. Um, did you, I don't know if you actually looked into like why they made the OVA first as like a pilot. Cause it's, it's not like that's unheard of, right? Like, uh, I know Ashino Joe which is a big property, like manga property, had an OVA that kind of acted as its pilot. Um, but you saw that a lot with a lot of shoujo properties in the 90s. So I'm wondering if like people, they just didn't have a lot of confidence in like shoujo aimed more toward like older audiences. And so that's why we got so many one-off OVAs. And maybe Kodosha was going to be like the same kind of thing and then it ended up being kind of successful. So they went ahead and greenlit a TV series or like, I don't know if you actually researched into like that kind of thing behind it. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, but I always assumed that it probably was like a test episode because like it came pilot, out basically. before the series. It came out in 95. Um, but other than that, like my research is very limited to like, uh, you know, the casting and um, actually a fun fact about the OVA Um the song that plays at the end was actually written by the uh, mangaka of Kadocha. Like she actually wrote oh. the lyrics for the song. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. Yeah, because I, th- I think we watched the OVA after the TV series. Yeah, and we were very caught off guard. Yeah, by just how like Sana is blonde, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to process that. Why? <laughs> Yeah, I was actually, I think I was literally at one point, like, when she's, like, first introduced, I'm like, is that the same character? You know, it's funny that we're talking about this, because I actually, um, I collect a lot of Kadocha merchandise and DVDs Mm. and media and all that. Um, And I'd been waiting to get my hands on the VHS tape itself. Um, Mm. And it's always, like, really hard to find, or it's, like, too pricey for when I want to pay for it. But I actually am holding it in my hands right now, and I got it like two days ago in the mail. Oh hell yeah! Nice. Um, so eventually, I planned on getting like a VCR thing to hook up to my computer and see if like there's any additional content on it. Um, oh, 
but it's really nice. Um, I posted some pictures of it on my Twitter page and it, like it came in really good condition. Like you would, you would think it was made today. It doesn't look like it's from 1995. Um, it's really nice, but it has like a little booklet inside that has um, more information. I haven't translated it yet though. Yeah, it's, it's surprising how well kept a lot of stuff in Japan actually is. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they have, like, I bought, when I went to Japan, I bought a bunch of, like, anime vinyls. And they're, you know, from Galaxy Express and Ashino Joe and Macross. So that would put them close to 40 years old. But they're, like, in pristine condition. They still come with, like, the original, like, OB kind of promotional ribbon they put on there uh they come in the original like plastic there's not any of the bent corners there's no dust on them and I'm just, it's just like such like a weird juxtaposition yeah. to like doing kind of the crate diving in like america where like you'll buy a, an elvis like, vinyl and it's like all it's like there's tons of falling dust part of the seams <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't hardly open it without the flat falling over it sounds like crap yeah. like I, I feel like people have this perception that vinyls all sound really bad because they're old and it's a, a, a um, what's the term? Archaic kind of like platform, yeah. like a media platform thing. In reality, it's not the case. Like it's just everyone's vinyls are in such terrible condition. <laughs> and then you like, it's just weird buying them used like there. And then, like, I didn't have to like clean them or anything. They're just already in like perfect mm-hmm. condition. I'm like, damn. Like, nice. even, even like laser discs, like I have like a uh, like mint, like the plastic is like still on a uh, laser disc copy of Pat Labor 2. It's like, what the hell? Why does this exist? Why did no one ever open this? Yeah, you get that much more than here where uh, yeah. you go buy like a, I don't know, like a Pokemon card. I mean, that's why all of our secondhand market stuff is so much more expensive, I feel like, because people just didn't generally keep as good a condition of their stuff than they do, I guess, over there. It is, it is nice though, when you're importing stuff and you don't have to worry about it being just complete yeah. shit condition. Even, even when it's, even when like, like you get something off like uh Bai, for example, and it's like, Oh, it's not, it's like, you know, there's slight wear and it's like the corner is slightly dented and it's like, you that's a magnifying it? glass. You're like, Oh, there <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> There it is. Oh, literally, would not have noticed that unless you pointed it out to me. But thank you for pointing it out. Um, Thanks for discounting it for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would what would you say your if you had like a top five, top ten anime? What would you say your f- favorites were? You had um, Kodasha and Ava. Yes. So those would definitely be my top two. Um, probably underneath those, I don't really have a particular order because it, it constantly changes. Sure. Um, let me see. Um, one of my favorites, uh, one of my other favorites, definitely in my top five, would be Shugo Chara. Um, oh, yeah. Have you all seen it? I've I've started watching it. I'm like close to halfway through the first season. Like, I really enjoy it. I just... I don't know. I'm really bad at watching anime these days. Same. I watched Same the here. first episode and I was like, I love these character designs. The character designs I, are great. Yeah. And then I've not seen anything else of it because I'm really bad at picking stuff. Really, I think, and I've uh, you've talked about this, is like 
really bad at watching stuff outside of group watches nowadays. Like having to sit down and watch things of my own volition requires an exponential amount of willpower. Whereas if I'm watching with someone else, it's like, okay, now nah, never mind. I'm just like locked in. Might as well do it. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I really enjoy Sugachara because like I really get into Magical Girls on like that uh, the subtextual kind of thematic level where mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about like how it's incorporating these themes of like growing up and stuff. Cause like, I, I like drawing that kind of through line through like, uh, you know, um, holy shit. I'm going to blink on the name creamy mommy or, uh, Minky Momo to like Madoka and stuff like that. Um, that's why Madoka is like my second favorite anime similar to like Evangelion. Cause like, I like seeing those kind of threads and like seeing that lineage and seeing kind of how it's, it's progressed as like that kind of like question and answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Shiko is really interesting to me. Cause it's like the whole theme of like plugging in different possibilities for yourself in like such a kind of blatant way. Um, where, you know, she's like, Oh, I could, she's got like the sporty kind of possibility or the, the home ec sort of one. Um, and it's just very much like exploring these potential, like, best versions of yourself that I really it's really interesting on that like thematic level yeah I totally agree like it's probably my favorite magical girl anime um just because I like the theme behind it you know it's not just oh I'm gonna transform into this particular animal human character or you know like in Sailor Moon they have the planets you know it's it's a very unique concept for a magical girl anime um and I really like I really like how their transformations play into their personalities and just their development overall. Like um, you said that you haven't gotten to season two yet, correct? Not not yet, no. Okay, have you met Rima? Rima, is she one of the student council people? She becomes one. She has the blonde hair. She's really short. I don't think I have yet. Okay, she's got one of my favorite developments in the whole series. So definitely something to look forward to later in the series with her, um, because her Chara is um, this isn't really a spoiler, but her Chara is basically like really goofy. She's kind of like a clown type character. And but Rima's like very like stoic and reserved. And then I, I like how you know, her home life and how she's expected to present herself kind of plays into um, her desire to kind of be goofy and, and that her char, how her char represents that. So you're definitely in for a treat in the later seasons. Cause it, uh, for me, Chugo Char definitely is one of those series that it's, it starts out good and then like it peaks in like season two, but then like it kind of goes a bit downhill in the later seasons. But luckily mm. the manga makes up for that. If you're ever interested in reading that, it's, it's really good. Which, by the way, um, I heard that they're making a sequel uh, to that soon. I don't know when it comes out. I think it comes out next year at some point, mm. but I'm really looking forward to that. I'll have to, if they are, I'll have to watch all of it to catch up to be able to watch that. Then I don't know, maybe make a video or something. Maybe. 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 Um, we still gotta make a video on Kimigari Orange Road, so God help us. Yeah, we do. Um yeah, that that almost sounds like that other girl who's like the in the student council that her chara is like a baby or whatever. 
And yeah. she's supposed to be like the kind of more graceful. She's in ballet and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of sounds like that, which uh, I don't know. I like. I really like the dynamics of the Charas and like them, um, and especially like Ami as a character. Like she kind of almost. I think. Uh, I think it was Danny from uh, Anime Summit who kind of put it best. I think that was like she's like an Ayazawa character, like from like Nana or like Paradise Kiss or something put into like a Bachelor Girl like shojo show. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> she's like such a great character. But yeah, so that's three. Um, so you mentioned uh, Madoka. I, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorites as well for very similar reasons. I like how it's a very unique take on magical girl anime. You know, it's it's very dark and psychological and I love it. And I haven't seen it in a while, though. I, I first watched it, I think, in 2018. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was... I thought it was the perfect length, too. Like, it wasn't yeah. too long. There was no moment that felt fillery. Um, it had a story, and it told the story, and everything, to me, was building on that story and made it very compelling to watch all the way through. Yeah, I definitely... Monica, I feel like it's one of those that gets like unfairly criticized sometimes, which I get mm-hmm. that it's coming from like it's just massive popularity. <laughs> but um, it, I feel like the criticism comes from like people that they're just like, oh, well, Monica, it's not like revolutionary. Like, I mean, Lyrical Nanaha and, and Princess Tutu already exist. Like, it's not doing anything new or whatever. But it's like, it's not really like fair to the show. <laughs> like, like, yeah, those exist. They're not necessarily doing the same thing. Like, I guess you could just say they're like, quote unquote, dark magical girls or whatever. But they're, I feel like what Madoka is kind of going for specifically is it's like, it's almost like a response to something like uh, Sailor Moon or like a Precure. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I feel like Nanoha and Princess Tutu are a little bit more like removed from that kind of lineage like princess tutu is almost more of like a just a fantasy a straight fantasy show as far as like its presentation like it's not it is a magical girl show but it's not like in that same kind of sphere as like a tokusatsu magical girl show so like mm-hmm. the interesting thing about like madoka is how it's like criticizing this idea of like <laughs> instilling this like message of two young girls of like being able to fight good and evil and stuff like that because like you took it like uh Himi-chan's ribbon and like stuff from before Sailor Moon like a lot of those magical girl shows are just about growing up right they're just about teaching these kind of morals and lessons to young girls and kind of giving them they they very much kind of grew up alongside the uh women's women's liberation movement in Japan where they were kind of showing kids like hey these are the potential futures you have these are what you can be like very much like a Shugochara um, like you had uh, Miki Momo is like the prototypical example where she literally I mean she's like a singular character who's just like really ends up being really uh, competent or whatever but like she it shows her being like a nurse or a veterinarian or an actress or a tennis player you know like it shows like her being able to do these different things and it's very empowering in that sense mm-hmm. whereas once you get into like Himachan's Ribbon like it's about her using her ability to, like to gain a greater appreciation for other people's perspectives. Cause she's turning into other people. Um, 
And then Sailor Moon kind of takes that concept and is very, turns it into like the tokusatsu kind of influence. Um, whereas I think you get kind of a response to that almost immediately with Doremi. It's like within five, ten years or whatever, where Doremi kind of has that same kind of setup initially, but it's also kind of very much like there's this progression where they kind of move away from the magic because the way that they're using it to solve problems is not necessarily necessary. Like they can solve their problems without the magic. They're just using that as a way to facilitate problem solving. And then as they kind of grow up and mature, they're able to work through their problems in a way that's just more uh, pragmatic. And so they don't need the magic anymore. And it shows them kind of slowly drift away from using the magic. And I think that's, that's kind of what the message is supposed to be in a lot of those magical girl shows. But then like with Sailor Moon, obviously they're kind of having to fight against evil forces in a way granted with something like Sailor Moon or Precure, they're often kind of tied into this kind of visual representation of like internal conflict, right? Like you think of like a Precure where um, a lot of the, the monsters are made by preying on like the doubts inside of people. Um, but then like, they're still, kind of solving those problems in like a physical way, like they're beating up the monster or whatever. It's just like, it's a visual representation of like overcoming these problems, but it still kind of has these interesting implications to it that I feel like Madoka is directly kind of criticizing. Um, mm -hmm. You talk about rambling earlier. This is <laughs> like, when you talk about Madoka, Evangelion, like I very much can start. <laughs> I have to put up with this every single day. <laughs> Yeah, the, our podcasts are actually like eight hours long. He has to cut like at least seven hours of me <laughs> rambling about Monica Magica. <laughs> Unless you subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> subscribe right? to the Patreon. Um, but yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely vibe with like Monica resonating on that level. Um, but that's number four. Yes, and my fifth... Um, I always feel like my lists surprise people because, like, you know, I I have a whole channel dedicated to a shoujo anime, so I I feel like there might be, like, some expectations put on me that, like, I'm, like, a big shoujo fan, which I am, it's like, it, but... It, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say people, like, expecting it's gonna be, like, all, like, shoujo deep cuts. Yeah, um, but it's it's not. <laughs> and I, I almost feel like I have to, like, apologize for that. Um, <laughs> but it, again, I do love shoujo, but I, I love a little bit of everything when it comes to anime and manga. So, you know, I, there's not really any genre that I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch that. Like, I'm willing mm -hmm. to try anything. But my fifth uh, favorite anime would have to be Steins Gate. I think, that's, I think that was Lex's favorite anime. <clears throat> yeah, that way said. Why we put it in the thumbnail, <laughs> even though we we only I think we literally <laughs> just said Steinsgate, and then we moved on. So I, don't know, I think I definitely understand where you're coming from with the the shojo. Like I, people have this weird expectation. I feel like of why is it frozen like this? Um, What's the matter? I don't know. I mean, I'm recording on my end, so it's not a big deal. But people have like this weird like expectation. Because cause people associate me with being like a magical girl expert, right? Where yeah. it's like, I'll get pinged when people are talking about magical girls. Like, oh, explain this or like giving your take on this or something. So like people expect me to have like, there's like this weird perception of like what your favorite should be. And they're like, oh, you got to have 
X amount of your favorite top 100 shows or whatever had to be Magical Girls or whatever. But in reality, like, I feel like it translates where I'm a lot more forgiving toward Magical Girls shows as like them being my favorite because I'm able to like get this kind of deeper appreciation for it on like a, a production level. But I don't necessarily think that translates where I had to have like all Magical Girls shows my favorites, right? Mm-hmm. So like I feel like I, I feel like I understand that from like the expectation of like, oh well you're you make shoujo contests, so all your favorites have to be shoujo, right? It's like, well, no, I mean I could like other things. Like I can have this kind of deeper appreciation for this one thing while still simultaneously being able to recognize like, you know, maybe they're not as good as these other things are that aren't necessarily in this sphere that I enjoy more right yeah i i totally get that because as a youtuber i feel like i'm like if i do any videos that aren't related to coach kadocha i feel that like i'm obligated almost to make videos about shoujo anime and manga and i it's it sucks because like i do you know i i want to make content on you know shoujo manga that i enjoy and i have um but I feel like, like the things that I'm really passionate about, I feel like the people who are subscribed to my channel would not give two shits about. Like, um, you know, I could go on and on about Zelda, um, but I know there's a lot of Zelda content on YouTube, so that's why I haven't really, you know, made my, I've only made one video and I, I tried to make it more personal um, when it came to that topic. And that's kind of what I, where I'm at with like Evangelion as well. Like I want to make an Evangelion video, but I might make it kind of like the Zelda one that I did, like a little bit more personal. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'd like to talk more about, um, you know, different series that aren't shoujo on my channel. And it's almost like I have ideas and I write them down and I'm like, I just think to myself, like, no one would want to watch this. Like, I feel like the people that are subscribed are expecting a certain kind of video from me and this isn't it. And it's just a really frustrating thing to have to kind of worry about when in reality, it's like, just, just fucking post the the damn video and and don't worry about that. Like it just, you know, if Mm -hmm. you're passionate about it, people will see that. Um, But, you know, I still struggle with it a lot. So that seems, that seems to be like a common thread that comes up uh, since we, you know, we've basically only had YouTubers on. And that's something that's always that always seems to be weighing on people's minds is like, well, there are things that I want to talk about, but I'm unsure whether or not our audience wants to hear about it as well. And I think, yeah, to a certain extent, it's it's one of those things where it's like. You just kind of have to bite the bullet, uh, and you know, talk about what you want to talk about at the end of the day, because it is it is uh, your your channel at the end of the day, and you know, maybe not everyone wants to hear it, uh, but I think there are people, uh, there are people, there are certainly people out there who will, and I think like our like I think philosophy when it comes to content creation is that you know this 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 stuff this this stuff that we're making is going to be around longer than we are. So it it, it should be good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you you want, you know, you you don't want to be in a situation where, you know, you're just putting stuff out. You want to, you know, we want to be at least, you know, be proud of of everything that we've essentially put out. We don't want, uh, there's like a good quote. It's like, you know, we don't want our debt to posterity to be paid in crap, essentially. (laughs) 
Totally. <laughs> I mean, you talked about it when you talked about why you started your channel and like how you wanted that content to exist. I feel like a lot of the people that we talk to, like that's that's kind of like the reason they start making content. Like, especially like you know us. I mean, we can speak for ourselves. Like, yeah, we wanted specifically. I wanted like there to be like I always wondered why there wasn't like a red letter media type of content for anime where people just kind of knew what they were talking about, but were it wasn't like had to be in this structured way. Like it could just be like a little bit more laid back and, you know, you could just tell that there was like some kind of knowledge behind it uh, without having to be like formal. Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I always wondered why there wasn't that kind of, why that kind of content didn't exist. Um, And so that's why we started this channel. And then why I started making content to begin with was like, you know, I've talked about this a number of times, like watching Haruhi Suzumiya for the second time. And like having a different perspective on it than I did originally, I was like, man, this is interesting. And like I went and looked and nobody really talked about it in a sufficient way. And so I was just like, well, fuck, I need to go do it myself. And so mm-hmm. it's all just about like producing the kind of content you want to see. You want there to exist, right? Like it so just it, it doesn't feel right just making content for like the sake of making content. Mm-hmm. It very much like you want to kind of add to the discourse and the conversation exactly yeah so what what would you say what kind of shoujo do, uh, do you like outside of like uh koda show uh, like 90s kind of stuff like uh have you read like i don't know skip beat or have you watched nana or whatever uh those are on my list um you know it's funny because like I don't know what it is about me, but I'm just always like, I'm not going to watch the popular ones. I'm going to watch and read <laughs> the yeah. ones that I just see. And I'm like, that looks cool. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I do like, I do love Fruits Basket though. Uh, that's a good one. I really enjoyed that. Uh, it, it would probably be in my, in my top shoujo that I like. Uh uh, I really like Tokyo Mew Mew. That's a magical girl show. Um, that yeah. was one of the first um, magical girl shows I got into outside of Sailor Moon. Um, and I always enjoyed that. Um, uh, I also really like uh, this manga series called Ultramaniac. Um, it's actually mm. by the same mangaka who created Marmalade Boy. Um, this This series came after Marmalade Boy. Uh, I, this one's a lot better in my opinion. Um, it's mm. about a girl who's, uh, she's a teenage witch basically. Um, and she flunks magical school. So she has to go to a regular school and like, she tries to do magic with her new best friend. And like, of course, you know, craziness ensues and, you know, the romance in it is really good too. And all the characters were fun to read about. And it's a, it's a short series. It's only like five volumes long. Um, mm. And then uh, the last series that I actually read um, and watched, I'm actually reading it now. I'm almost done with it, but I just watched the anime. Um, it's called um, uh, Full Moon. Um, and that's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like kind of, I wouldn't call it a magical girl because she's, you know, she's just like one girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know what you'd call that series, but like she you know, she transforms into basically an adult version of herself and she goes and she sings and, um, she's, she has cancer and she's about to die within, I think a year. Um, 
and that was that was a good show. Um, the manga is definitely a different vibe, though, which is interesting. I, I'm not sure which I prefer yet, but when I get to the end of the manga, I think I'll know which one that I like the best because really it's about even at the moment. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we we actually talked about Full Moon with Ina a bit because she really liked that one too. Um, yeah, I would I would definitely say that's a magical girl show. Like it it's kind of like a love letter to the um you know early magical girl shows from like Piero, uh like with uh Korean Vami being the first one of that kind of lineage. Mm-hmm. Um where they kind of just turn into an adult version of themselves, like this just a singer, and they kind of had that like singing property where you had like uh I think it was the voice actress for uh Korean Mommy's like career like music career basically starts and ends with Korean Mommy. Like she got really big because of that show. Um hmm. and then you had, you know, there's this like lineage where it's like her, that, and um Fancy Lala and and then um Full Moon. So it's it's definitely a magical girl show. Uh it's just not of that, uh, like I said, the tokusatsu kind of lineage, like the Sailor Moon or Sokyo Mew Mew. Yeah, um, I definitely felt like the whole magical girl element of it was kind of like, you know, it's it's a big part of the show. But like for me, I felt it wasn't really the focal point of the show. Like the focal point was more about, you know, her relationship with the uh, the other two characters, uh, Takato and Morocco. Sure. Yeah. Um, and. I felt like it was more about that than really her her singing career. Like, like for me, like her singing career kind of takes a back seat with all the other stuff that's going on in that show. At least that's my opinion. Like, I, I found that the other stuff to be a lot more compelling. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear your opinion on the manga because, like, I feel like the anime with the music just added so much. Mm-hmm. Like. If it weren't for like Eternal Snow or um, your future, I think it's another one. Like without the the tracks, I feel like it wouldn't have the same impact for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be it'd be interesting to see which one you actually was like thought was better in terms of like execution in that regard. Yeah, like the music is a nice addition, obviously, because you know she's a pop singer, so you gotta have that in your show, you know, yeah. to make it entertaining and add that layer since you know now that you can you can see them moving and hear it um as opposed to reading dialogue bubbles um but again i i always prefer you know when i think it's obvious from this podcast today that i really like um exploring characters and their i guess their relationships and their inner thoughts and things like that that's always the highlight of shows for me yeah um so i guess we we can then also like this uh the question of like why so what what specifically i guess first i would i would preface the question of like when when did you watch kodacha like when in your kind of anime journey did you watch it where it had that kind of impact on you um, so I watched the series in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my during my life at that time, like I was kind of picking up the pieces of my life at that moment um, because I had just um, I had just gotten over a 
a really bad breakup from a ser- my first serious relationship that I had for about a year and a half. Sure. Um, and I was not going to college at that point. Um, I was still like deciding what I wanted to do. Um, and I wasn't really happy with like where my music career was going. So I was just like, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. So I found Kadocha at a time when I was just really like not sure where my life was going to go. Um, so in a way, Kadocha was came to me at a point where I needed it, I think. Um, I just really needed the optimism of the character of Sana at that time. Um, and I know it sounds a little silly, but like having that show to watch and look forward to and like seeing how Sana overcame her problems, like always with a smile on her face. And like she always tried to make the best of everything. Like it really helped me move on into the next stage of my life. Um and I think that's probably another reason it stuck with me so much um, was because of that time that it came to me into my life. And um, again, like I didn't really start getting back into anime like fully until I started doing my channel and like started to, you know, branch out to different social media platforms and like discover other series that I missed out on while I was in college and um it's just been really great like Kadocha I feel like opened a lot of doors for me um which is kind of weird you know it's this obscure little shoujo anime from the 90s and you know it 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 definitely changed my life um it brought me a lot of new friends um it's introduced me to new shows that I you know wasn't paying attention to before because I was so focused on my studies and I was more I would definitely say I'm more of a gamer. <laughs> um, so I was, you know, I'm very interested in gaming. I was always checking out the Nintendo Directs when they come and, you know, seeing what's coming out on um, PlayStation. I like PlayStation as well. Um, so, you know, being more invested in that and just personal life um, didn't really give me the time to check out anime that I missed out on. So, you know, starting my channel has definitely been a gateway for me to better things. And I'm really happy with the way things have been going in my life ever since I started my channel. And I'm really thankful to everyone who's been watching the videos that I've made and like the people who follow me on Twitter and see the posts that I make about Kadocha. And I, I'm really thankful that the community around this anime has come together in the last few years like it has because it's it's been really fun to watch it grow like it has yeah yeah i don't i mean you say you think it, like oh it might be silly but i don't i don't think it is at all because it's like that's what a lot of media kind of comes from right like is reflecting you know elements of people's lives kind of back at them to where it helps like process them right mm-hmm. um where i think like you even have um there's a show airing this season um, that is a magical girl show, which is why I'm aware of it. But it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> sequel to, uh, yes, go Precure Five, um, which was like the first Precure season that they did like a team, like a five, you know, characters. Um, and it's a sequel to that where they're like now they're like adults and like office workers and teachers and stuff like that. And it very much kind of feels like it's coming from that place where it's like, you know, we had precure for these you know kids when they were younger and they had this thing to kind of 
you know, help them process these tribulations and stuff they're going through life. But we don't really have that. I mean, we don't have a precure for like adults, right? I mean, you have like different forms of media that do the same thing that aren't necessarily precure, but like this is like acting as like those characters are now grown up and are now kind of showing you like the, you know, kind of evolution of like where they were. Cause like precure is very idealistic. Um, you know, you get characters that are like, oh, well, we'll just solve all of our problems this way. And it's always, you know, the most optimistic way possible, which is is great, you know, for kids. Uh, but it's not realistic, right? Like you, once you get into the real world, which is what the show is kind of tackling, um, mm-hmm. you get into the real world and your problems aren't so black and white, right? Like you you want to help somebody, but then like circumstance might prevent you from helping them the most optimistic way. And there's not really this outlet for you to kind of like process this kind of stuff. Um, so I definitely feel like that's not, you know, something that's just a few people have, you know, it's not like, Oh, well, this is this silly that like I'm going through this problem in my life and this media is helping me with it. Like, I feel like a lot of people kind of go through that. Um, and it's good to kind of be able to recognize that and kind of build communities and appreciate them. Right. Like not necessarily, mm-hmm just share that experience on your own and just be like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I had this experience that helped me, but no one else ever was helped by the show or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely, it's definitely a nice thing to see people being able to come together and bond over something like that. Oh Um, yeah. It's been so much fun. Cause like, I, I mean, I feel like the community definitely has like really grown because like I said, part of the reason I started my channel was because it just like seemed like there was just no content for Kadocha. Like there was no like blogs, no social media accounts. And, you know, I wanted to make videos because that's kind of where I knew to start. Um, and like I said, I branched out to Twitter and Tumblr and TikTok and all those platforms. Um, but when I said, like, I, I thought it felt silly, it was because, like, at the time I was like, you know, I'm an adult woman and I'm, like, sitting here and, like, just really depressed and I'm, like, a cartoon 12-year-old girl is, like, making my life so much better and, like, I guess that's why it felt silly at the time, but sure. I, I totally get what you're saying is it's it's not silly, it's just, like, you kind of feel that way when you're at your lowest point, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I get it. Um, we got, we got, I guess the recording is going to stop us here in about what? 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. We got, we got to think of a way to end this side. Say something stupid. Ah! No. <laughs> Screaming doesn't count. Well, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I, I really enjoyed on. the discussion. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope I hope I get to come back because I, I did have a, a lot of fun on the show. Yeah, we're gonna to, <laughs> yeah we'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah, because I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. Talk video games. Talk about Evangelion. Talk about our sponsor, Tokyo Tree. I uh, don't uh, record it in post because we didn't have a good ending to the podcast. Anyway, uh, yeah, check out our sponsor. Tokyo Treat, uh, link in the description. Use the code WeebCoo, get $5 off your latest box. And be sure to check out uh, that Code It's a Girl's channel. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this is a really weird ending for a pod. We don't usually end podcasts like this. It usually just kind of like cuts off.